How would you like to learn new skills and face exciting new challenges by becoming a medic in the Royal Air Force? RAF Medical Services offer a wide variety of roles with great benefits and exciting opportunities. I'm Lucy Coward and I've been talking to doctors, nurses, dentists and physiotherapists about what life is like in the RAF. These are no ordinary medics. They're trained to care for sick or injured military personnel and civilians, sometimes in areas of conflict both on the ground and in the air. This time I'm joined by Joe and Richard, who tell me why being a physio in the RAF is a unique position. I started by asking Joe about why her job is so rewarding. Great question. I think the biggest takeaway from being a physio in the Air Force has been the opportunities that specifically being in the Air Force as a physio that that has provided. I can't think of any other profession or occupational profession that would allow me to have so much freedom to provide care to the personnel where they need it to do their job both in the UK and across the globe in some absolutely amazing locations under pressure with incredible people just I can't envisage doing um, in another environment and the difference I guess you could draw a parallel with with sport and the difference with sport is that sport is glamorous and there's and there's money behind it and you know there's real highs and and sometimes real lows and with the military it, you're there simply to allow personnel to do their job and sometimes in quite difficult circumstances and that's what makes it so meaningful and fulfilling that it's not always comfortable you don't always know what's going to happen that day but you get a real sense of purpose from it. So I guess personally, I didn't realise that that's what I was looking for when I joined the CADO, when I joined the Air Force. But um, I've come away from it realising that that's what I really need in my life. I need that, that purpose and I've really enjoyed having it. Richard, was the RAF always an option for you? Well, for me, I, I always knew from a very young age that I wanted to be in, in the military. I've actually got a previous life as, as a former Royal Marine, so I've served 11 years as a Royal Marine and uh, serving on combat operations in Afghanistan and Iraq was the a kind of impetus that inspired me to become a physio, having worked with or having a close relationship with injured military personnel. So I've, I've also been in the RAF now just over 11 years, similar to Joe. And I think for me, it's I've kind of hit the sweet spot of, of everything I've wanted in life. I'm in a job that I get paid really well to do. I'm in a job that's meaningful. I solve a meaningful problem. I help injured military personnel. And I think the final thing really that puts the icing on the cake is that I work with a cohort of individuals that I'm, I'm really passionate about in helping. And Richard, how did you make that transition? How did you find that transition from ser- serving as a Royal Marine and to doing what you do now? There was a transition, obviously. The, the core values of, of the Royal Marines is very different to, to, to the Royal Air Force. But there are also some some similarities. However, I think it would have be, been an easier transition as opposed to uh, working in the NHS. And in terms of things like qualification and study, how do you navigate that path? For me, well, I joined the Royal Marines with no qualifications whatsoever. So I'm not really naturally from a, an academic background. However, you know, I, I kind of one of my core values is determination and working hard towards anything. And I believe if you put your mind to something, and work hard enough and you're disciplined about it you, you can achieve anything so I 
you know, I've now got a, a first class degree, masters in musculoskeletal medicine and, a, and a, an MBA qualification, all at distinction level. So I wouldn't have had those opportunities or the discipline to have studied uh, at that level without having the kind of military background and the discipline that that gives you. And Joe, you, you've both mentioned what you do is meaningful. But in terms of being a physio and in terms of seeing combat and being deployed, how much more do you think it means? I think the difference with our professions versus some of the other medical professions is the time that we spend with our patients. For example, a dentist may welcome a patient and spend, depending on the procedure, 15 minutes or so or half an hour or an hour Um, with that patient and maybe book them once or twice and and that may be the end of the episode of care with that patient whereas we will work with patients sometimes for up to six months a year 18 months that can go on for two years um, when we're in the UK or it can be day in day out when we're supporting them on operations and you're going through the lived experience with them and you really get to know them as a result you're their physical support but also their psychological support you go through from day one like the shock of having an injury and how they feel that their life and their world their personal life and their professional life has been turned upside down and you're there with them and then you get to see them be reintegrated into the world and they don't look back it's so great it's such a good feeling and it doesn't matter if you don't hear from them again or you don't see them again because it's you just feel proud you just feel proud for them that they've they've done it and they've put in all the work that's the meaningful and fulfilling part that I believe is different from our profession you touched there on on the mental capacity of, of your patients what about you what about the mental impact it has on you forging these relationships with people and seeing progress you know, the mind and body are connected, you know, there's a massive interconnection between the two. And, and I think, you know, seeing a, a military service personnel get back to the job they love doing, because it's not just a job, it's, it's a lifestyle, uh, is very rewarding and, uh, and, and fulfilling. I think when you start out as, a, as any, any therapist that starts out on their clinical journey, you, you tend to expect every patient to heal uh, as per a textbook. And uh, you, you, I guess when you, you lack a little bit of experience, you you tend to beat yourself up um, if you don't get a patient back to full function or, or at the level you would like. But I think over time, if you set realistic goals and manage those expectations with your patient, although you don't get them back to the level of care that they would like, you still have a positive impact on their quality of life. And I think with experience, you learn to accept that it's okay not to get the patient back to the level that you would like, because sometimes that's that's not realistic. And, and it's about managing that that quality of life and um, the moral component. Can you think of a particular example that sticks in your mind where you've been on a journey with that patient from start to finish, the highs and lows and everything in between? Um, So I guess probably one of the best examples was when I was down in Plymouth working in a regional rehab unit, which was responsible mainly for the fourth generation of injured uh, military personnel from either the Navy or the Royal Marines. We used to see a lot of commandos and I had a sergeant major uh, who was an army commando towards the end of his end of his career and uh, seen him on it for a couple of residential rehabilitation courses, uh, treating him for uh, Achilles tendinopathy. And he got really frustrated that he couldn't do what he used to do as a, as a young soldier. And in the end, we kind of, we got him to a level that he was happy with. He couldn't go back 
to playing football or running ultra marathons. Um, but we got him to a level of function that he could leave the service well and actually go into a to a job in law enforcement and do that at the level he needed. And again, it was about managing his expectations. Um, and I found that quite rewarding that uh, we took somebody who injury did impact him mentally and emotionally, but because we managed his expectations and took that holistic approach and considered his needs beyond the service, he was able to leave the service well and go into a role that was rewarding for him. I don't suppose patients ever really leave you I mean physically they obviously do and that's the point but mentally I guess there will always be that memory that relationship and Joe would you be able to explain to me how it works are patients assigned to you or do you go to certain patients yeah so there's it's a little bit of a mix really but day to day the way that it works is that a patient will either self-refer or will be referred by a doctor into the physiotherapy department. They might pick up an injury or there might be a significant injury, in which case they have a pain or are unable to perform a function in some way and they present to us. And then we will see them, we'll triage them, we'll see them within the department and we'd be responsible for their care that way in quite a conventional sense that is mirrored in musculoskeletal outpatient departments in the NHS um, or a sports team where you're then responsible for the care of that patient. I think what's quite nice about the care that we provide on a base is that we are responsible for them and, and they are sort of part of our wider community, our family on that base. We know how many we have and we take care of them for as long as, as is required. But there's also a second route in whereby there's a known problem within the Air Force of, of air crew experiencing flying related neck pain as a result of particular airframes, specifically fast jets and rotary, but also some of the larger aircraft. Just the what we call ergonomics, so the setup of the aircraft can lead to discomfort, but also things like wearing helmets, pulling G that they perform when they're uh, fighting in the air also wearing uh, goggles on their helmets. So all adds to quite known problems. Those air crew, they're, they're quite shy to come and ask for help because they get worried that we'll stop them from flying. So what we try and do is put our clinics forward into these squadrons and be advice um, and a friendly face there so that they can come um, and get problems sorted when they're quite a low level issue before they turn into a significant problem and then can't perform their job. Um, which is really important in the military where we're quite a small military and we perform quite specialist roles. And if you lose a person due to an injury, especially for a significant period of time, it can have a quite a large impact on both that person psychologically. You know, it's their job to perform that physical role. And if they can't do it, it has quite a large impact on them, but also their colleagues who have to perform that role instead of that person. So being able to provide that forward care is also you know, a really, really great um, opportunity that we have um, as physiotherapists in the military. Because of that, do you find that people are quite willing and quite good at coming to you to ask for help? They absolutely are, yeah. And I think being in the military is a very important part of that and understanding their role so that you can gain trust to build that relationship, that therapeutic relationship with them so that they understand that you understand 
what they're going through. I think it'd be quite different if it was a service that was provided outside of the military for that reason. So I think we're very lucky that we can offer that. We go on operations with them. We go on exercises with them. We live in the mess, the same environment, and we are one of them. We eat alongside them and live the same life. So it means that they find it very easy to discuss issues openly and honestly with us. And then we can have those open and honest discussions if things need to be progressed further and, and action needs to be taken and, and if they need to be stopped flying for example or, or other aspects of their occupation and we need to limit that you know weapons handling other things that they might need to stop doing we can have those conversations because they know that we understand that element of their job and they trust that we're making the right decisions at the right time for them. Yeah, and I think it goes back to our core values, you know, rise in the RAF. One of them is service before self. And the fact that you know, that is uh, deeply embedded within our DNA as uh, RAF officers and physiotherapists, then, you know, it's more than just a job. Um, you know, that course has its benefits. Um, and gives you that sense of belonging. And Joe mentioned a few moments ago about getting patients to the point where they can pass a fitness test, for example. Now, that is something that you guys have to do as well. Is it different when you're in the medical profession within the RAF to anything else? Do you have to have an extra level of fitness? Um, there's no specialism as in as a specialist level of fitness required from medical professionals. Absolutely not. It's exactly the same for everyone in the Air Force. The only differences in fitness requirements within the Air Force come down to if you sit within more specialist parts of the Air Force. So if you're joining the RAF regiment, for example, but when you join the Air Force, everyone has the same level of fitness and fitness requirements. So you don't have to worry about that. But yeah, I definitely remember doing my fitness test and being worried about it and giving it some respect at the time. But I believe rightly so. And I would say now as a fitness professional, physical health care professional, that it's something I would want to make sure that people recognize that it's not hard. It's a health test, but it is to be respected and absolutely prepared for. So as soon as you start to think about joining, break down the components of the fitness test and start doing them straight away. But not just the fitness test, just think about why we ask, as in the Air Force asks people to do a fitness test. It's to make sure that you're fit for your role, you're fit to do long days, sometimes under quite a bit of pressure, but also that you're going to have opportunities to do circuits you know within the working day with your colleagues that you're going to have to lift stuff sometimes put tents up that you get to play sport and these are all things that really you want to be healthy for you want to be fit for so there is meaning behind it for me fitness has always been something i have prided myself on and is very much the foundation of being able to perform in any role i think within the military you know given my previous background i think my my expectations were managed my take on it is the fitness test in the ref it's a test for health it's not hard as long as you prepare accordingly um you know everybody's different some people may have a more natural ability um depending on many factors. Um, but what I would say is if you were joining the RAF, you get given, you generally get given the some guidance. You know, that's why you attend the fan visit. Uh, that's why you have your filter interview. But ultimately, the bottom line is you need to follow the advice that's provided by the, uh, the careers office. What's the most unusual thing that both of you have ever worked on? 
as a, as a physio, there's a saying that you, you're an officer first and a physio second. And, and I think that kind of rings true. One of the challenges of joining the, the Royal Air Force as a professional is you've got to balance the needs of your profession with the needs of the military and also the needs of your family life. Now, if we focus on some of the physio jobs available, you know, I, I would say it's quite unique in the fact that there are quite a lot of other opportunities out there. Um, you get to travel the world working as a physio uh, with a frontline operational air squadron. You can work in a number of different settings within the firm base, you know, such as a primary care rehab facility, a regional rehab unit and a, a defence medical rehab centre, which is a, a, like a tertiary level rehabilitation centre. So lots of different settings that you, you work in. The more, the more unusual stuff is there's some roles that are afforded to you that as SO2 Med for 83 Expeditionary Air Group. So effectively, I was, I was in a medical planning role uh, in support of the Air Component Commander, which I would say was probably my most unusual job to date because it's not naturally something that I was trained for. But I learned a lot from that experience and, and I think it helped me develop both personally, professionally, and, and I brought a lot back to my role now as head of the physio cadre you begin to expect a lot of unusual things once you've been in the military for quite a long time. I remember back to when I was based at Lossiemouth, north coast of Scotland, and even being based there at the time, I remember thinking that only the Air Force would have put me in such a place in the UK that's so beautiful, that has so much going on in terms of it being on a main operating base. So the fast jet output that's up there, the community that's up there. For no other reason would I be, would I have visited that place? Um, I know now there's a million reasons to visit uh, Lossiemouth and the north coast of Scotland, but simply first being based up there. And I was on the high readiness line that we have in the Air Force. So that we've always got one physiotherapist that's at five days notice to move. And it was Friday morning and there was a, a hurricane in the Caribbean. And I got a phone call saying that I need to be in Gibraltar on the Sunday on board HMS Ocean. And I need to pack my stuff and go and that they would sort flights for me. So I passed uh, my fitness tests that afternoon. I packed some bags. I celebrated Battle of Britain in the officer's mess that night with my colleagues. And on the Saturday, I got on a, an aircraft that flew to Gibraltar. And then on the Sunday morning, I was on board HMS Ocean. And, and a few days later, we were sailing west um, across the Caribbean to support the hurricane relief effort. And that just whole episode was incredible, incredible that we can be moved so quickly that I was comfortable to, to do that, that I was ready to do that. And the people that were also plunged into that um, situation that were just so happy to do it and be there and provide the support that the UK can do and deploy all over the world so fast so I think that was a really unique experience that on reflection um, I yeah absolutely loved. And does the magic of something like that ever go away? I think you get used to the constant fastballs that get thrown at you in the Air Force and I think you take it for granted sometimes and the way that your life changes so quickly that there's a, a lot of unexpected situations that happen to you and you often don't get time to sit and reflect on it but 
I wouldn't change it for the world. I absolutely adore it. And yeah, I, I feel really appreciative that I live a life that is a thousand miles an hour. Um, but when I get my leave, of which is very plentiful, I can be with my family and relax and reflect on on how much opportunity I have to do some really incredible things. The uncertainty and the spontaneity of the job is, is one of the reasons why why you join. Um, and, and I think a common trait I see amongst many military personnel across all three services is you know, we are wired for that uncertainty. And I think without uh, those opportunities and that spontaneity, you wouldn't want to be part of the organisation. And Richard, can you tell me where a potential recruit can go for more information? Just the uh, easiest way is to go on to uh, the REF website and uh, look up uh, medical support officer, physiotherapist, and that will tell you everything you need to know about joining the branch. Are you up to the challenge? RAF Medical Services is actively recruiting now. To find out more about becoming a medic in the Royal Air Force, search Royal Air Force Medical Services. Royal Air Force. No ordinary job.